From Pro Bono Students Canada, the University of Calgary's Faculty of Law, and CJSW 90.9, this is Hearsay. Welcome back to Hearsay. My name is Lindsay, and I'm here with Selwyn and Steven. Today we are going to be talking about arrests, what you can be arrested for, who has the power to arrest and detain you, and what that legal process looks like, particularly for those who might need help accessing legal support. We will be interviewing Gabriel Chen, the Senior Counsel of Litigation Services with Calgary Legal Guidance. As always, this podcast is legal information, not legal advice. The Hearsay Podcast would like to acknowledge that it is recorded at the University of Calgary on Treaty 7 land, which includes the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, including the Siksika, Pikani, and the Kenai, as well as the Sutina First Nation, the Stony Nakoda, including the Chiniki, Bearspaw, and Wesley First Nations, as well as being home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. My name is Gabriel Chen. I am the Senior Counsel of Litigation Services with Calgary Legal Guidance, um, or CLG. So CLG is um, a uh, charity that was started by law students in the 70s. So we're, we're just going on uh, 50 years now, and a lot of those uh, law students are now judges. But it was created to provide um, legal help to people that can't afford lawyers because, you know, certainly um, now and even then, um, lawyers are expensive. And so um, we are are here to try and um, provide people with legal information and advice so that they understand what their rights and their choices are. And um, we have some free legal services as well that we provide uh, to people that need legal help and wouldn't be able to get a lawyer on their own. Hi, Gabriel. Thank you for joining us today. CLG does a lot of really great work, so we're, uh, we're thrilled to have you with us. Before we get started, I think the words arrest and detention and imprisonment and charging, they kind of get thrown out interchangeably. So I'm wondering if you could walk us through the difference between those terms. There are several stages that we'll we'll talk about in turn that um, can occur uh, during a police investigation. So uh, detaining detention is normally going to be one of the earlier ones. So that is typically happening when, you know, say police are um, interacting with you because, you know, you're at the scene where a crime seems to have occurred they're looking into it they may be just trying to chat with all of the people in the area and so um, generally you're under detention if the police are speaking with you and they're either um, making it clear through their actions or just plain telling you that you cannot leave and so that is uh, usually when you're going to be under uh, investigative detention because if you are under arrest, they will tell you. Um, and, and if you need clarity, then, you know, it's very simple. You just ask the police, um, am I under arrest? Um, because the police are under an obligation then, which we'll, we'll talk about a little more to tell you that you're under arrest, why? And then 
um, to uh, administer what we call the Charter and Cautions of telling you about what your rights are under the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, uh, and a little bit about the, the process. Okay, so that's arrest and detention, but what's charging? And charging um, is, is connected to that because they're letting you know why it is um, that uh, you're under arrest. Um, it may take a little longer for them to, um, it depends on the case. Um, it may be straightforward. They may say um, you're shoplifting um, or it may be something where they will look at it a little bit more, consult with the prosecutor and say like, these are the criminal charges or the tickets or other things like that that um, we're giving you to you today and explaining whether or not they're going to just draw papers and um, let you go and just go to your for, uh, court date, go to your fingerprint date, uh, or if they're um, uh, deciding that um, you should be uh, held uh, uh, and have a bail hearing. Now, how do we get from there to imprisonment? Imprisonment, um, so it, it can kind of happen in, in different ways. So as we'll talk about, usually um, you're only going to be taken into custody, especially during times like this when we're in a public health crisis, when it's fairly serious and or they believe, uh, or serious offense and or they believe that uh, there's, there's a good risk that you will not come to court um, for the time that they have scheduled. Um, so based on um, the charge, if you have a criminal record or history of not uh, showing up when you're supposed to, those are all things that um, may result in, in the police taking you into custody. And then you have a right, um, which we'll talk about more, to have a bail hearing. Um, you have uh, a legal right to be released unless the prosecution uh, shows to a uh, justice of the peace or a judge that um, that there, there are legal reasons why it is that you shouldn't uh, be released, in which case they may order that you be detained or they may order that you be released only on certain uh, conditions for, for bail. And then from there, of course, you have um, your right to the presumption of innocence and you won't face uh, a criminal punishment like uh, being uh, sentenced to jail unless uh, you are found guilty of a crime. You're listening to Hearsay on CJSW 90.9. We definitely will get into some of those safeguards a little bit later. But in general, it seems like if you're being arrested, you have the right to know what's going on. So, my next question is, who is it that's doing the arresting? So in Alberta, we have uh, many different kinds of peace officers. So within Calgary and Edmonton, we have uh, their respective uh, police services. In most of the rest of Alberta, we've got uh, the RCMP doing uh, much of that. And then, of course, there are as well, like, bylaw officers. Um, there's Calgary Transit peace officers as well. And uh, a lot of times people uh, don't realize that uh, Canadian Pacific Rail have their own um, peace officer force as, as well to patrol their their property. Um, there's also security guards. There's there's a large number, I think cl close to 30,000 private security guards 
in um, the province of Alberta. And um, uh, outside of police officers, though, if, it, if it's a different kind of peace officer, they're normally going to only um, try and invoke an arrest, uh, either if it seems like there's a crime, a criminal offense that occurred, or um, it's something where they think that the person is is being aggressive or, un, or, or not cooperating. So for arrests, more typically, it's something where um, uh, either or the police are doing it or they've been called to the, the scene. So I think that's a really good jumping off point for our next question, which is what happens when you are arrested? What's the, the sequence of events there? Often um, before a person is um, under arrest, they may be sort of in this more gray zone where they're, they know they're talking to an officer. They're not, they may have a clear suspicion of why they may be unclear. Um, and I think the key questions to ask at that stage are usually like, okay, am I free to go? Um, do you want me to give you a, a witness statement? Um, am I being charged? Am I under arrest? And so uh, generally, like if a person is, is asking those kinds of questions, if they're unclear, then the police will tell them. Um, so if you're not under arrest, um, if you're not being asked to give a witness statement, you're probably under um, investigative detention. What I normally suggest in those cases is to just um, try and, and move it along um, in a not aggressive way, but just sort of very matter of fact is saying like, is asking like, are you charging me with something like I'll cooperate? I just, I, I'm just, I'm a little unclear about what's going on. Um, can you help me understand? And that'll help because as we said, like once the police formally arrest you, then they have to um, tell you about your rights and you know why it is that you're being arrested in the first place. Once this does happen, what I, I recommend to people is, 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 is that um, if the police don't already know who you are, if they're asking for you to um, confirm your identity to them, that you should do that. Um, because at that stage, they do have a legal right to, um, to get that information from you. If the police are telling you that they are charging you, if, that you are under arrest, um, then you should provide them with your ID if, you, if they ask for it or um, uh, tell them your, your name and things like that. Um, because if you don't, then they may feel that they have to uh, take you into custody to be able to confirm who it is that you are. Um, and they may also charge you with obstruction for not um, cooperating with the charging or the ticketing process. So normally it's going to be in your interests to um, to just give them that information. You don't have to tell them more, um, but do, you know, give them your, your name and those kinds of things that they need. While we are on that topic, Gabriel, is there any specific information that a person must divulge to a police officer, even if they have not been arrested? If you're not under arrest, you're um, not really obligated to provide information to the police. What I would say is, you know, um, you can ask for, for time to think about it because a lot of times when we're in a situation where, you know, we're with somebody um, who's in authority and, you know, talking to a police officer can be nerve wracking for a lot of people is, is that firstly, it's okay to just ask, okay, could I have a minute? 
um, to think, um, calm down and, and think through, you know, what you feel is, is safe to disclose. Um, it's, if it's something where I would say the police are, are clearly investigating a crime, if the police are talking to you and they're saying like, you know, we're, we're trying to find witnesses or, or, and see like, did somebody see anything? Is this, is this that, um, you could answer yes or no on, on that. Um, but it's, I think it's helpful for people to try and clarify at that point, like what, what is the purpose um, that they're asking them um, for this information? Like, you know, certainly the, the police aren't ne uh, necessarily against you at all, but they're also not on your side. Like their job is to try and figure out if a crime has occurred, who is involved. So a lot of times things that um, a person might think are helpful or in their interests may not because you don't know exactly how it is that the police are necessarily going to interpret that. Um, someone may think that saying something is going to show that they were involved and actually the police might take it a very different way and think like, oh, okay, actually this does implicate them. And so that's why it is that I usually say like, it's generally not in a person's interest to volunteer information. You're listening to Hearsay on CJSW 90.9. So, after the initial interaction with the officer, if they decided to arrest you, what obligations do they have to protect your rights? So, as you've said, the, the police will inform you of your right to uh, retain and instruct counsel. And so... Um, at that stage, it's usually a good idea, I would say, to um, assert that right and ask to be able to speak with a lawyer. So one important qualification is that um, unlike on, in the States, Canadians have a right to speak with a lawyer. They don't have a right to um, have the government pay for a lawyer to represent them because we're used to hearing like if you cannot afford a lawyer one will be provided for you that are available to people but it's not exactly the same in Canada but what is provided to people is that um, if they have a lawyer that they want to speak to so um, then they will be given the opportunity to um, uh, use a private phone give that lawyer a call and get advice from them. And if there isn't anybody particular that they have in mind, or if they're just not able to reach that person, then they'll be able to call um, what we call the Bridges Service. So the Bridges Service is a 24-7 telephone line. Um, it's a lawyer that knows criminal law well and is going to be able to um, speak with the person to give them advice about how to try to handle it if the police are questioning them. Um, and um, where it becomes a little more gray is that if they have a particular lawyer they wanted to consult if they can't reach them. It's been a little more gray as well in, the, in terms of um, mental health warrants because in those cases, um, police are usually bringing people to hospital. So if they're um, detaining them because um, someone has uh, uh, under the mental health acts, such as a, a judge or, or a psychiatrist, um, asked for them to be arrested if um, they should be able 
to consult with a lawyer, then um, unfortunately the law is not as clear on that. Um, so it's, it's something that psychiatric patients are, don't have as much access to. I like the way we've kind of shifted to talking about the different places that you can end up if you are arrested. So you mentioned under the Mental Health Act, one of those is the hospital. I'm wondering if we could dive a little bit more into both the physical spaces that you might encounter if you're being arrested and also the timeline that you might see. So if somebody is being taken into custody, normally what's happening is this is that either, you know, you're you're starting at the district station because they've called you in to um, to interview you and then they're going to take you to arrest processing. Or if you're at the scene of a crime, they're going to take you into the arrest processing unit, which is moved. It used to be downtown um, across from the library. Now it's in the Spy Hill area. If you're refusing to go in to see them, then they're just going to ask for a warrant for your arrest when you will be picked up at a time and place not of your choosing. Um, so it's better to do it like when, you know, say you're not working or you can arrange childcare or things like that. I, I'm usually recommending that if people are being asked to go in and see police is, is that you do a little preparation because um, there is a good chance, as you said, that you're going to be arrested. Um, and so you want to be prepared for that. You're going to want to usually leave your phone, your digital devices at home if you can kind of leave them there safely, because if they arrest you, they will return them, but you have no idea when that's going to be. Um, if you need medication, you're going to want to see if you can take your medication, if it's safe to do so um, before you go and see them. Um, you don't want to bring similarly any valuables with them because it could like uh, it could get lost or it could take a long time to get back with you or to you. And similarly, um, you want to try and wear comfortable layer, uh, comfortable layer of clothing because, you know, they will take your jacket and other things um, once they um, process you because uh, and, and so again, like you might not get them back for a long time. Um, a supportive person can usually go with you, but they can't go in with you very far, just usually to the initial um, part. And so uh, after that, um, you're generally going to be uh, on your own. So hypothetically, Gabriel, Selwyn is arrested for assault and taken up to Spy Hill for processing. Who would you recommend that she call and what kind of advice would she receive if she did? Normally what I'm suggesting to folks is, is that if they're in custody, they're looking, if there's a lawyer that they know, then they can call them or they can ask to call the Bridges service. So the advice is normally going to be the same. As I said, like the police are not on your side. They're trying to solve a crime. They think that you are involved. So um, they're, it's not usually ever to your advantage to tell them about what happened, even if they're saying things like, you know, this will go easier for you. It's going to go faster for you. If you just tell us what happened, it might go faster for you, but that's not necessarily going to make things any better. Um, so remember that the police ultimately don't have any control of the prosecution. So they decide whether to charge somebody with a crime. But after that, it's the Crown Prosecution Service that decides, okay, are we going to keep going with this? Are we going to upgrade or downgrade the charges? Um, are we going to offer some kind of plea bargain, things like that? So the police don't actually have the ability to, you know, um, make 
charges generally like go away or be lessened or things like that um, based on you know whether a, uh, an accused person is uh, cooperating. You have a right against self-incrimination. So you uh, can say to the police, um, I'm choosing not to answer your questions uh, and they may back off, but they may actually persist. They may keep asking the same thing in the exact same way or they may ask it in different ways and they are allowed to do that. So usually what I'd say is, is that if it seems like the police keep asking, then you just have to, you know, be again, not assert or aggressive, but assertive and just say, I'm choosing not to answer your questions. Like the lawyer advised me against that. I'm, I'm doing, or that's what I'm doing. Um, and something to remember as well is this, is, is that the police may say like, we have this evidence or we have that. And a person has a right to see that, but not right there in that moment. If they're saying like, we have video, we have photos, um, everybody will have a right after uh, uh, in time to be able to see like, what is the evidence that they're saying that they have on them. But you don't have a right to just demand to see it uh, then and there. You're listening to Hearsay on CJSW 90.9. So we've talked a lot about what happens at the arrest processing unit, uh, how you can kind of get a hold of a lawyer, as well as what it's going to look like if you're being questioned. But how do you get out of the arrest processing unit? In Alberta, everyone has the right to have a bail hearing within 24 hours of their arrest. This is actually something that's a little newer. Um, there's always been the right to be, uh, to have like a bail hearing within a reasonable amount of time. It's more recently sort of firmly said, you know, 24 hours is 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 it. So what'll happen is this is this is that um, the person's going to remain in custody uh, at a rest processing unit, or they may move them to the remand center, which is just across the street, um, and they will have a video hearing um, or a phone hearing um, uh, as soon as they're able to. Uh, the police are able to put together the information that the prosecutor needs and the justice of the peace is available. And so uh, there will be a duty counsel, so a free lawyer available to um, speak with the person. And so nobody has to pay anything. You don't have to, um, you don't have to put together money um, to be able to have the duty counsel help you. Otherwise, if people are under arrest, the last thing that you need to worry about is how am I going to find and pay for a lawyer. Usually what's going to happen is, is, is that the prosecutor may say, okay, if I'm going to uh, agree to this person being released on bail, here are the conditions that I'm looking for, you know, um, a certain amount of money to be paid and or stay away from this place or not have contact with this person or things like that. And it's important for people to tell the, the duty counsel if there's a problem with that, if they don't have the money, or if that person is their next door neighbor, and there's no way that they can just avoid running into them, things like that. A lot of times people are nervous because especially if it's their first time or if they've had a bad experience with being in custody, they'll just say yes to almost anything. But it is very important for them to be clear with the duty counsel, I can manage this or I can't. Okay, so your bail hearing has to be within 24 hours of your arrest and the duty counsel is there to help you agree on some bail conditions. So if that all goes well, you get released. 
But if the arrest processing unit is all the way up in North Calgary, how are people supposed to get home? So I, I believe that normally the um, police service will try to provide people with a transit ticket if they're um, being released from there. Um, my understanding from my clients is, 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 is that the bus routes are kind of hard to access, like you have to kind of walk a ways to get to them from there, which is unfortunate. Um, if there's somebody that can give you a lift, like if you can, you know, make your call, call your, you know, your family, ask them to come pick you up, they can do that. But the difficulty is just that because they just, they're trying to do their paperwork and they don't know necessarily they're going to be able to release somebody. Um, they won't necessarily be able to say like, you know, okay, Jonathan is going to get out at three o'clock today. Um, so all people can do is sort of try their best to, um, you know, uh, get an accurate guesstimate. And um, uh, yeah, but that is an ongoing problem. It's definitely an issue for low-income folks because they can't just call an Uber. Well, you've walked us through kind of the first interactions with the police officer all the way down to the bus ride home from Spy Hill. And I think that's a really natural place to, uh, to wrap this conversation. So a very sincere thank you, Gabriel, for your time and your expertise today. Well, I've, I've really appreciated our, our conversation. So thank you. Yeah, I, I hope that this will be helpful for folks. Well, everyone, that's it for today. Thanks for tuning in to Hearsay, a project by Pro Bono Students Canada and CJSW 90.9.